Good morning. morning. I would like to thank Jeff for your opening. I really appreciate it. I know you were concerned with taking too much time, but when the Holy Spirit gives you something to share, share it. And God is the author of time. He will make time. For those of you that attend here regularly know that I have been working my way through the the fundamentals of Christianity. And I I believe this morning I will stay with that. Um, I thought about a year-end message or a beginning-year message, and no matter the year, the Bible stays the same. And so you could take this as a new year or or a, a message to to do better throughout the new year, or how, and you know, if you want to take it that way, that would, that would be fine. Um, but we're simply going to be talking about separation from the world. And I know that many, many times when you hear um, things talked about in a way that People are describing separation from the world. A lot of times it's on the external appearance. And so, before I start, I want to make sure that you understand that I believe it's at least 95%, if not 100%, what goes on inside. And how, as Brother Jeff said, how God has changed you. Our text this morning would come from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. um, Probably three verses, verses 15, 16, and 17. And I'll read those to get us started. 2 Corinthians 6, 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Apostle Paul here is writing to the, to the Corinthians as I understand that some of the, I believe it was even in church leadership, some of the false doctrine that was preached. And Paul was simply telling them, if you have leadership that is not preaching the Word of God, separate yourself from them. And I don't stand here to say that we have leadership that's not preaching the Word of God, but I believe that the world has influenced us quite a bit in some areas in the way that we think, in the way that we teach, in the way that we understand the Bible. Or I should say practice the Bible. It might be a better selection of words. Before we get much into talking about being separate from the world, I believe we first need to define that there are two kingdoms. If you read John 17, 14 through 16, Jesus 
Jesus is praying for his own, I think, is the, the, the title or the heading in my Bible. I, I, I wasn't going to turn to that. I have it written down here. Um, I believe he's praying for his disciples. And who are Jesus' disciples? All of us. All of us. And this is what he says, I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And I also wanted to say in the beginning here that I don't believe that we should not talk to people of the world. It would be awful hard to share Jesus and not talk to someone. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Again, I want to I make sure that as we go through here, we, we learn that it is living differently than the world. In certain situations, we don't react as the secular world does. And I don't mean to say and criticize the world for being sinners. They're, they're sinners. They're going to sin. That's not what I'm saying or trying to um, bring out. We need... We need to, to act differently from the world is what um, Jesus is, is trying to get here. Um, we should also read 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 and Ephesians. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 first. And this is listing, I'll just read it. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So here we are seeing some of the character of the, the God of the world, Satan. And also in Ephesians 2, 2 and 3. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were the children, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So here we have some uh, pictures and lists and traits of Satan. Um, another, I'm not going to turn to them, but you could, you could write them down if you're writing verses down. 1 Peter 4, 3 and 1 John 2, 16 and 17. Um, some of the traits of Satan that I have listed here are unbelief, disobedience, greed, gossip, quarreling, and witchcraft. I think it's important that we understand that these things are what is what, what, is what we are supposed to be separated from and to live differently and to not, to not do these things because these are the things of... Satan and the God of the universe, not the universe, the world. And God is the ruler of the kingdom of light. And Satan will try anything he can to destroy that and to destroy the, the souls of men. Hence why we are called to live separately and different from the world. I'm going to go down through some references that I have here and in reference to separation from the world. And then at the end, I want to go over a few things that I've written down that 
could be practical application. So the first reference that I have here is Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Very much in line with what our brother Jeff shared this morning about the man in Kansas City. Complete turnaround. You know, they were talking here in verse 22 about the old man, and the old man is the one that was living in sin and doing all of those things that Jeff mentioned in a complete turnaround and amazingly without a withdrawal of the drugs that he was using. I know that won't happen every time, but we do know that our God has the power to do that. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this word, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be ye transformed by the renewing of, their, of your mind. How do we renew our mind? I think it's all right here. And as Brother Jeff mentioned about reading and studying the Bible, I told Sean after he was done I needed to go home and wrap my toes up because he had stepped on them pretty hard, especially in the area of reading the Bible. <clears throat> Reminds me of a story I heard one, someone say as they were preaching. He was late. He kind of hurried up to the pulpit because he didn't have much time before he started to preach. And he, he looked fine. It didn't look like there was anything wrong with him. But he started to tell a story of how he got run over by a Mack truck on the way. Truck was going at a high rate of speed when it hit him, and he said, I was all messed up. But here he stands, it didn't look like there's nothing wrong with him. He said, some Christians are like that. They're not being transformed by the Word of God. They call themselves Christians, but they, learn, they live the same as the world. They act the same as the world. And so are you allowing God's Holy Word to transform you? <clears throat> One of the verses that is, for myself, very um, very convictive, I, I guess would be the word, is 1 John 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And here's what gets me. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
You can have one or the other, but not both. Just, just by being Christians, we are automatically enemies of the world. You would find this in John 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, I have chosen you out of this world, therefore the world hateth you. So you see, automatically, by being a friend to Jesus and allowing Christ to be our Savior, or accepting him as our Savior, we are automatically at enmity with the world. Another one you can turn to is James 4.4. 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And so it works the opposite way, too. If you are not being separated from the world, if you're not living differently than the world, you are an enemy of Jesus Christ and God. Matthew 6, verse 24 confirms that you cannot have two masters if you read if you if you wanted to turn to that and read it we will either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other you cannot have two masters Let's turn to 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. In like manner also that yeah, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel and shamefacedness and sobriety, and not with braided hair or gold or pearls or a costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. I think that's where I was going to stop. Yes, that's where I was going to stop. I know that they're talking here about um, women's apparel. However, I don't think it's just for the women. Any, anyone that, that dresses for um, to be noticed of men or women or anyone is not living separately than the world. The world dresses to attract attention and do I that comes from pride. And it could be in any, anything that we do 
And one more talks a little bit about this. 1 Peter 3. Verse 3. Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of hair and wearing of gold or putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And so here's the contrast between the way the world does things and the way that we as Christians living differently than the world. We should adorn ourselves with a meek and quiet spirit. I know, again, it's talking about wives here, but if you look back to the Old Testament and the, and the meekness of Moses and how that is considered an attribute by God, I believe that the meek and quiet spirit is for all of us before God. I don't know if I have wearing of jewelry in my list of things, but I think the Bible is pretty clear about putting things on that attract attention to ourselves. And as I was studying each of these things, things that have come to my mind, I'm going to go over a list of things that I have here and Part of me thinks maybe I shouldn't do this. Part of me thinks I should. So I, I believe uh, these things were brought to me by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to share them. I, this is not an exhaustive list. There's many, many other areas that um, we need to think about and to, to contemplate whether we are doing or honor, honoring and glorifying God in each area of our life. <clears throat> as we look into the secular world and as you... Um, interact with the secular world, many times you will see that the world kind of looks at children as a burden. Many times you will see, maybe in a public place where um, you get the impression that the parent would rather not have a child or that the child is a burden. And I just ask myself, has anyone ever thought that about me? Because children are a blessing. But it's one way that we need to be different than the world. Before I give you the next one that I have written down here, I want to read a poem. Um, <clears throat> some of you may have heard this, probably have. It's, it's by John Denver. I believe it's John Denver. And it's called Ambulance Down in the Valley. Twas a dangerous cliff, as they freely confessed. Though to walk near its edge was so pleasant, but over its ed edge had slipped a duke, and it fooled many a peasant. The people said something 
would have to be done, but their projects did not all tally. Some said, put a fence around the edge of the cliff, others an ambulance down in the valley. The lament of the crowd was profound and loud as their hearts overflowed with pity. But the ambulance carried the cry of the day as it spread to the neighboring cities. So a collection was made to accumulate aid and dwellers in highway and alley gave dollars and cents not to furnish a fence but an ambulance down in the valley. For the cliff was all right if you're careful, they said, and if folks ever slip and are falling. It's not the slipping and falling that hurts them so much as the shock down below when they're stopping. And so for years as these mishaps occurred, quick forth would the rescuers sally to pick up the victims who fell from the cliff with the ambulance down in the valley. Someone in his plea, it's a marvel to me that you'd give so much greater attention to repairing results than to curing the cause. Why? You'd much better aim at prevention for the mischief, of course, should be stopped at its source. Some friends and neighbors let us rally. It makes far better sense to rely on a fence than an ambulance down in the valley. He's wrong in the head, the majority said. He would end all our earnest endeavors. He's the kind of man that would shrink his responsible work, but we will support it forever. Aren't we picking up all just as fast as they fall and giving them care liberally? Why a superfluous fence is of no consequence if the ambulance works in the valley. Now this story seems queer as I've given it here, but thoughts often occur which are stranger and more humane we assert to repair the hurt than the plan of removing the danger. The best possible course would so be to safeguard the source and to attend to things rationally. Yes, build up that the fence and let us dispense with this ambulance down in the valley. <clears throat> so we do have an ambulance down in the valley in Jesus Christ. But the fences sure do help. And the reason I read that is because the next one that I have written down, and this is for myself, this is something that, that I have been convicted to do. <clears throat> and that is not to text ladies. Unless it's in a group text. The world around us, the men and women interact, married men with other married ladies, and so often it doesn't go well. You hear of pastors counseling ladies, pastor and lady alone, and how often it does not end well. How often adulterous situations arise because of a innocent text. It all started with an innocent text. And so, I don't do that personally. Very hard not to do it at all in business. I had done some work for a lady that would not answer the phone. Even on her message, she said, text me. I don't, I don't call. Really hard to talk to her without texting her. 
So again, that's my fence. May not, may not be something that you need to do, but it's something I feel that I should do. Forgiveness versus taking someone to court or suing, as the world does. Pretty simple um, concept. Not easy to do. This was, I did mention this a little bit, modesty instead of dressing to attract attention to myself. The next one, again, is just something that my wife and I have chosen not to do, and that is participate in the public education system. Be very, very careful with the public education system. There's a lot of things that are completely unbiblical that are taught. And from someone standing in the world, if we send our children to a public school system, they will say, it's good enough for you. What's your problem? Why do you want to change it? It could look like you agree with, with some of the things that are taught there. Be very, very careful. Again, I say this is something that my wife and I have decided that we've been convicted of to live differently than the world in this area. Another one is found in the Bible, returning good for evil. We know the world does not do this very well. The sixth one that I have is forgiving a large debt that you are owed. The world does not do this. But you may have to do this sometime to save a relationship. And it won't be easy. But there are no relationships that are more important than a debt owed. Another one that I, I have is movies that normalize sin. Many of the films that are out there normalize sin in some way, shape, or form. Reminds me of another story that I heard of a family that was having a, I guess, a movie night. And there was a film that the the teenagers in the family wanted to watch. I don't remember a name. Don't remember that detail at all. And of course the parents want to know, is it a, is it a good film? Are there any scenes in it that are questionable? Um, you know, what, what they said, yeah, it's a really good film. It's a really good message. There's just, there's only one tiny little spot that you shouldn't watch. Just one. And we can just fast forward that. And so, the parents decided that they would watch it. They sent them, this was back in the days before when you had to go get a movie and rent it and bring it back to the house. Some of you all have no clue what that's all about. You actually had to use gas money to watch a movie sometimes. And the parents said, I'll make the snacks. When you come back, we'll, we'll have the snacks and watch the movie together. And they got back and they put the movie in and the parents said, 
you don't really need to worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. But, you know, when I was making the popcorn, the, the kitten had a little accident. I'm pretty sure that I got all of it out. But, you know, if it tastes funny, just, you know, just throw that one away. How much of the popcorn do you think I'd eat? I think it's that way with the movies, too. If there's a little bit in there that we shouldn't watch, we should just not, not do it at all. Another one I have here is labor unions. I don't have much of an experience with them, but I know that you have to be in agreement with some things that would not be in accordance with God's Word. Business partners with non-Christians, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I also have life insurance. Um, I feel I shouldn't have it. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's, what, that's the way I feel. I feel like I, do, I don't trust God, and, and my faith is not where it should be if I have it. And so this, this is what I have here. I know there's many, many others. I, I didn't actually take time to try and make a list. As I was studying, these are the things that came to my mind, and I know there's many, many more of ways to be different than the world. I want to read one more verse, and then I have kind of a question that I want to leave with you. First John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth, on the G, on, believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And here I see that uh, the belief in God that you have is incredibly important. And also I see in this verse, that is the only way to be separate from the world is with the help of God. But by ourselves, there's no way we can do it. We don't, we don't have the... I don't even know what you call it. Can't be done by man alone. Has to be of God. The question I want to leave with you is do you live your life separately or differently enough from the world that it's possible you could get a call on the person on the other end. Would say, <clears throat> I, I can only have one call, and I know I could count on you. I believe that if the world can see a difference, there will be calls when you least expect them. <clears throat> because we have what they need, may God add his blessing. <clears throat>